sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so, I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, we're good? Amen? All right. All right, pray with me. Say, God, move me, challenge me, touch me, scare me. Just don't leave me the way I came in. Amen, amen. All right. There's a movie out called 2012. Anybody seen it? It was crazy. All right, I'm not going to talk about the movie, but the, the premise behind the movie is that a lot of people believe that the world is going to end in 2012. How many of you heard that? And so the, the, there's a lot of people that are, that are there's the ancient Mayans, there's the uh, Aztecs, some Chinese, there's Nostradamus, even some Christian groups are predicting the world is going to end in 2012. Now, these people want to prepare you for the future. They want to prepare you for 2012. And that's why all this propaganda is coming out. People want to prepare you for 2012. Well, I titled the first message of the year 2010. Because I don't care what's going to happen in 2012. I want you to be prepared 2010. Amen? Because if we're prepared in 2010, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen in 2012. Somebody say amen. amen. Or any other prediction craziness that comes out. How many of you know the word says we are not going to know? So when you hear Christian preachers preaching that it's coming, that this is the date, you got to understand the word says we're not going to know. He says that it's going to come like a thief in the night. The word gives the illustration that if you knew the thief was coming, you would have prepared and the thief would not have stolen, right? So the point is, we're not going to know. So our, my heart today is to prepare you for 2010. Somebody say amen. amen. I have a quote and a question. Here's the quote. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always got. If you do what you've always done, you will get what you always got. Here's my question. What will you do today that will affect tomorrow? What will you do today that will matter tomorrow? Today, our intention is to join hundreds of thousands of Bible-believing Christians on a corporate fast. Thank the two of you that are excited about that. That fast, that fast is going to last for three weeks. It's going to end on Saturday the 23rd. Today, our intention is to begin reading the Bible, committing 15 minutes a day to follow a reading plan 
<coughs> that will last throughout the whole year and get us throughout the whole Bible. Today is the day that we start preparing, amen? Today is 2010. I can't even get it out. I'm so excited. See, this year, I want to experience compassion. I want to experience mercy and grace and maturity and wisdom and growth. I want to see and experience the fruits of the Spirit in operation in the church. Amen? See, I, I, I want to watch them grow out of the least likely people. I want to watch, I wanna watch the, it grow in the most unexpected places. I created a list some time back. I used it in a message titled, How to Kill a Church. I don't know what I was thinking. It was maybe the first year or two that we started the church, and I figured... If anybody want to know how to kill the church, let me just let them know how to kill it so we can get it over with and get it done with. And at least we know where we stand. Amen? I'm trying to build God's kingdom according to how God says I'll build my church. If anybody want to kill it, let me let you know how to kill it. And so that's where this list came from. But I want to use it now also because if you want to ensure that nothing happens in 2010, this is what you got to follow. Amen? If you want to, I'll put it to you this way. If you want to go through it again in 2010, this is what you need to do. I broke the list into leaders and congregation. You decide where you fit in. Ready? Ready? Here's the list. How to kill a church. How to go through it again in 2010. Leaders, be inconsistent and unreliable. Congregation. Be inconsistent and unreliable. Leaders, manipulate people to get them to do something. Church, assume leaders are manipulating and don't do anything. Leaders, don't pray till you get here. Church, don't pray at all. Assume the leaders are praying for you. Leaders, don't tithe, don't give offering. You give enough of your time, hold tight to your money, you need it. Church, don't tithe, don't give offering. Let the leadership carry the burden of the rent, the insurance, the utilities, and the heat. Here's a good one for both of you. Anyway, none of you need a financial blessing in your lives anyway, so don't sow into that this year. Here's a great one. Find somebody, this is for both leaders and congregation, find somebody you don't like in church and talk to two people about them. Leaders, regarding church, make it totally legalistic. Lay down the law about everything with two sides of guilt. Church, keep your church life a secret from your real life. Anyway, Jay-Z says real life starts after church, so listen to him. He knows better. Leaders, always think about yourselves. Ask yourselves, what did I get out of this service? Forget about what you came to give. Church, 
Expect spiritual growth to come from one meal on Sunday. And when you don't grow, complain that you're not being fed and move on. Leaders, gossip and call it things like prayer, concern, looking out, being real, telling it like it is. Church, if you disagree with the pastor or with leadership or anyone in the church, find two people who will listen and talk about it with them. But never bring it to the person. Leaders, put the church before your family and make them hate church Poisoning the next generation against it. Church, put unrealistic demands on the leadership as if they don't have families and things and issues to deal with as well. Leaders, when things get rough, quit. Somebody else will do it. Church, make things difficult enough so that the leaders you don't like will quit. Leaders, Don't ever prepare the people that you work with for leadership because they'll just take your jobs. Church, don't ever take a step of faith into leadership. Leave it to the professionals. Surely God is not speaking to you. Leaders, water down the gospel. Keep it real worldly so people don't feel uncomfortable. Church, Take the holiness of God for granted and have no reverence for the church or in the church. Leadership. Settle for what you got and stop reaching for what God has for you. Church, stop dreaming, stop expecting, continue to settle for less than God's best. Last one, leaders, don't lead by example. Expect people to do what you tell them to, not what you actually do. And church, use the hypocrisy of a few leaders as an excuse for your own. If you want to go through it again in 2010, just follow two or three of those. Guaranteed it will not fail. How many of you want to scream no? Say no! See, I'm not walking that way this year. See, I'm tired of carnal Christians and faking fellowship and mishandling mercy and ruining reverence and grieving grace. I want people to start walking like they're born again in 2010. Can somebody say amen? Right, two people excited, we're ready to go. That's why we're corporately fasting. That's why starting today, that's why we're reading the word daily starting today. Because God expects us to. He expects us to. He deserves us to. Like, for too long, like, we just come and sit and expect, like, like God's supposed to do everything for us. Like, He's Aladdin. Right? How many of you had that picture of Aladdin? And, and maybe you, that might sound disrespectful to you, but think about the way we act. We come when we want something. When something ain't going right, we go to him. Come on, God. Rub the lamp, get your wishes, right? And, and that's the time when we come to him. We don't, and, and, and even... Think about your lives. I'm, I'm confessing too. When, even when it comes through, right? When you get your wish, when you get what you wanted, how many times do we go back to the genie and say, thank you, genie. That was amazing. Thank you, God. 
Or, or do we just go from there and say, that's right. That's how we're supposed to work. Some of you act like we got God on check. Right? I'm guilty, man. I'm not, like, I'm not coming down on you. Understand? I, I, I can speak it because I've done it. All right? So I'm not like beating nobody up. I can speak it because I'm there. Because I've been there. Because I do it. Still got to catch myself. I have to catch myself sometimes and, and ask myself, wait, wait, wait. Who are you? Who are you? But you think because you got a business card or you got a church or you got something that you're anybody before God? Who are you that you can speak to God that way? I'm, my life is but a vapor. Do we, do we understand that? That every day we have life, we got to say, God, I, I thank you for life, man. I thank you for the air in my lungs today. I thank you, God, because, God, you can stop it in an instant. In an instant. You can stop it in an instant. Amen? So we need to because, like Gretchen was saying, that's who we are. If we realize who we are, then we'd have to worship. We have to read. We have to pray. We got to get to know God's word because that's who we are. And, and, and listen, church, we're going to be about the word here. We're going to be about the word. The, the, I believe the worship is going gonna, is gonna to turn up, is going to get even deeper. I believe the preaching is going to get even stronger. We're going to have to put warnings on the screens. Like, like, listen, before you sit down and make yourself comfortable, are you sure you want to be here? Because stuff happens here. He's going to have to put warnings on the bulletins. Things happen here. Be ca- if you don't want God to move, perhaps this is not the good place for you to be. Amen? See, because I, I, and, and I'm not saying I want us to become some strange, lunatic, weird kind of Christians. I just want us to walk in what the Word says we can walk in. Prophecy, healing, miraculous power. I, I want us to walk in what the Word says. See, the first church in the book of Acts, when they were on one accord, fire fell. When they were in one accord, fire fell. When they got together and prayed, fire fell. It said there were like tongues of fire floating. Come on, how many of you run out the building you see that? But it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen when we come together. The fire of God is supposed to fall. We're supposed to see it. We're supposed to feel it. We're supposed to be changed by it. It's supposed to happen. If it's not happening, one of us is stopping it. If it's not happening, it's because some of us are not in one accord. So let's get to the place where we're, where we're believing God to do some things. Amen? I believe that's why the word says where two or three are gathered because God knows in a, in a group, and there's going to be all kinds of agendas. Right? There's going to be all kinds of things. Listen, I don't want nobody speaking in tongues. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't want nobody falling out in the floor because that's freaky to me. I don't want nobody doing this because that makes me... Listen, I don't care what it makes you. We got to do what the Word says we got to do and let God have His way. Amen? I don't care what part of tradition or or this or that or or where, where that's coming from. But when people come together, fire falls. And... The reason we we need to do these things is because, listen, there's blessing in obedience. This is key today. There is blessing in obedience. God established that right from the beginning. I'm going to read to you in Deuteronomy 28, the passage. 
that God established. There's blessing in obedience. Listen to this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his commands, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you. They'll accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Listen, you'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock will be blessed. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks will be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be blessed. In case you don't know what that means, that's your children, your work, your career, your banks, your accounts. They'll be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction and flee in seven. I don't know if you're getting excited about the blessings of obedience. I said your enemies will come in one way and flee seven. They will come at you from one direction and flee in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He gives you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people as He promised. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, then all the people on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. This world ridicules us. The word says if we obey them, they'll fear us. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land He swore to your forefathers. Listen, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, God and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods or serving them. See, there's a blessing on obedience. Here's the scary part. If you continue reading Deuteronomy 28, the next whole passage, it says there's a curse on disobedience. There's a blessing on obedience, but we can't, take a, we can't accept that there's a blessing on obedience and not a curse on disobedience. You understand that one comes with the other. It's either this or it's that. And so we choose. There's a blessing on our obedience or there's a curse on our disobedience. There's blessing in right relationship with God. Listen, we quote some of those promises from that passage all the time. I hear it all the time. I'm blessed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the top and not the bottom. I'm the lender and not the borrower. And we don't got two nickels to rub together. How come? How come? We forget these promises, these commitments from the Word of God are specifically for those following after God. They're for those trusting in God. God's promises are for God's people. Well, I thought it'd get quiet, but not this quiet. See, I can't quote Jehovah Jireh, my provider, 
if I'm not trusting in him with the finances that I already have? That's a hard lesson. I'm still learning it. I'm still learning it. It's a hard lesson. But I can't call Jehovah Jireh and say he's my provider if with the finances that I do have, I'm not trusting him. I'm not sowing into his kingdom. I'm not taking care of and doing what he told me, has, has already showed me to do. Relax, it's not a message on tithing. And the offering came already anyway, so... I can't call him Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, if I'm not even bold enough to let anybody know I'm a Christian. I can't call him Jehovah Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, if I'm not even trying to be set apart. If I'm not even trying to be holy. I can't call him Jehovah Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. I can't call him Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace, if I'm not even trying to live at peace with those people in church. He's not Jehovah Shalom if I, if I can't even get along with you guys. We're gossiping and backbiting and acting out. He's not Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, if I'm not even following him. If I'm not even doing what I know to do, forget about anything extra. And, and that's above and beyond. But if you want him to be your shepherd, you got to follow him. We got to fast. We got to pray. We got to read. We got to separate ourselves from the things that don't glorify him. But some of us think that's for fanatics. That's for, that's for crazy people. That's for, you know, unbalanced, chemically and mentally challenged, you know, people that, that, that go all out. No, not me. I don't know. The Lord is Jehovah. He's my shepherd. No, he's not your shepherd unless you're following him. Do you? Do we get it? Amen? You got to follow him for somebody to lead you, for somebody to take care of you, to guide you and protect you. Again, you got to listen you got to listen. If, if you want somebody to shepherd you, it's like, yo, you know, tell me how to get there. And you say, all right, I'll tell you how to get there. And then you walk the other way. My man, you told me you wanted me to tell you how to get there. So come on, follow me. All right, cool. And then you go the other way. Or, or, or you, 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 you ask, explain this to me. I don't get this. And so when you start explaining, you start talking. Nobody ever gets any smarter by talking. Did you, do you know that? So you got to follow him. See, we got to separate ourselves from the things that, that don't glorify him. I'm, I'm almost tired of saying this. He's not, he's not my theos, my God. He's not my logos, my word. If I don't even have two scriptures in my heart to rub together to start a fire. You can't call him your logos. He's not your logos. Oh, you know it's John 3.16 and you probably don't even know the whole thing. And so that's why we're fasting in 2010. That's why we're going to read the whole Bible in 2010. You realize that, that will probably be the first time for some of you to be able to say, I read the whole Bible from cover to cover. I know how it ends and I win. You can't say that. You can't say that if you, have, if you don't know. Amen? You know stories. You know what you heard. You know little Bible. And David and Goliath. And Goliath had the big... And, and sometimes, you know, some of us are 40, 50, 60 years old. And, and David got a slingshot. And with the slingshot, he killed the big giant. 
We're still talking like elementary kids, amen? In our faith, in our spirit. We need to build up the spirit that we know. Listen, I know that David takes down giants. And so I know that David was a little insignificant nothing. And he took out this giant that everybody's scared of. And I understand that because that's me. I'm this little insignificant nothing. But in the power of God, I take down giants. it's, it's It's real. It's not a kid's story. Amen? That changes when you know what you're talking about. Amen? Young people, listen to me, please. He's like, he always got to go there. Why he got to go there? Why can't he just go on? Why he got to go there? Young people, I am expecting you all to do this with us. I am expecting, let me say it on camera. I am expecting you all to do this with us. (laughs) Melissa, God knows what I just said there, so... (laughs) If you're not prepared, young people, you will be distracted. And if you can be distracted, you can be destroyed. Amen? Listen, you will head off to college and one knucklehead atheist professor will say two things to you, leave you confused, stupid, and dumb. <laughs> Doubting you don't know nothing. I, 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 I thought Jesus was... I, oh. Oh. Maybe we did come from monkeys. Because you're acting like a monkey. Amen? You, 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 I'm telling you, if you're not prepared, young people, you will be destroyed. If you knew your word, if he was your theos and your logos, then you stand strong. Amen? I want you fasting with us. I want you reading with us because I want you walking victoriously with us. Amen? Because one day, I'm going to have to hand this church over to you. Do you believe that? You two sitting in the front? One day, I'll have to hand this pulpit over to you. I'll have to hand this mantle. I'll have to pass an anointing unto you. And, and I don't want you wearing your pants down here and saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want the only time you pray is when, when mommy makes you pray over a bagel or something. In a, okay, thank you, God, for the bagel. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you walking victoriously and in power, knowing your word, understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for you, understanding that, that everyone that we read about, they were your age. All the old guys in the Bible, they done already. Everyone that did anything powerful, that brought any kind of revolution, were your age. Amen? So I want you doing that with us. Is that clear? Listen, listen. The very first statement that Jesus made about fasting, it dealt with the question of motive. Fasting must forever center on God. Some of you are fasting because you want to lose weight. That's Jenny Craig, not Jesus Christ. It's the different. JC, JC, maybe similarity. It must forever center on God. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained, the word says, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Therefore, in ex- listen to this quote from last year. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the Word of God. Fasting is feasting. Remember that from last year? Fasting is feasting. These 21 days, we need to eat less and read more. We need to talk less and listen more. We need to focus less on what we could or can't eat and draw closer to God. We need to not only restrict what goes into our stomach, we need to restrict what goes into our ears, our eyes, our minds. Amen? Some of you, I already heard the complaints. We're complaining about reading the Word of God for 15 minutes. But we'll listen to four or five songs or watch three or four videos without a problem. Same time. Same time frame. Same time frame. Same time frame. But we can sit through three or four, five, six, eighteen videos. Loving it. Right? Like without a problem, the clock is going, no, no problem. Woo. Oh, three hours I've been listening to music videos. Wow, time flies. It's wonderful. All right, time to read the word. Oh, God. 15 minutes. And, and this is how you do it. You go, oh, how many pages? Oh, my God. Oh, he, oh my. He expected me to read all this. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, I'll try. I want, oh, but I'm so sleepy. I'm so bored. You understand? Flip the script. Time to change that attitude, amen? Time to grow up. Time to get some maturity in it, man. Amen? Anybody with me? Are we excited? So, so we need to restrict what goes in, not just our stomachs, but, but what we put before our ears, our eyes during these 21 days. The Word does not say to, to turn off your iPods, to flick, because they didn't have any back then. Right? <laughs> but I believe should the word have been written in this time, how many of you believe it would have said, we need to restrict a little bit of everything? Amen? Because see, you can't just say, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm serving you and I'm not eating meat. I'm just eating vegetables. I'm going to be just like Daniel. And, and still be living the way you was living before. Daniel didn't roll like that. Daniel had communication with God. The whole point of, of even copying Daniel in this instance is because we, I want to be like Daniel did. See, Daniel had communication with God. When the people in the world, the people around him had problems, they came to Daniel. Daniel would solve them because he had wisdom from God. When the king had dream upon dream and God was speaking to the king and the king called every brujo in town to come and tell him what, what the dream meant. Every brujo said, I don't know. They said, bring me Daniel. Daniel interprets dreams. Daniel hears from God. And every time Daniel, one time he told him, bring me Daniel to interpret this dream, but I'm not even going to tell him what the dream is. If he really hears from God, he's going to know what the dream is and give me the interpretation. How many of you know you better, oh, and if not, I'm going to kill them all. That was the word in the Bible. And if not, everybody dies. How many of you know you got to be hearing from God to know the dream and the interpretation, right? Some of us might trust God for the interpretation, 
But imagine, Gary, if they came up to you and said, Gary, I had a dream. Give me the dream and the interpretation. I believe he'll do it too, but because it's the same God, amen? But can we, will we believe that he'll do it? He's the same God. So, so you know, I, I believe we, we need to watch that because we could sit for two or three hours and watch our favorite shows week after week. We could sit still in the theater for two to three hours without a problem, but in church we got to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. We got to go to the corner store every four minutes. But in a movie, you do that in a movie, you get beat up, right? Maybe we start the ushers doing that. I got some big ushers, man. Just turn around, you see. They start threatening you, you better sit down. So please, church, don't tell me that we can't do this. We have to do this. We need this. Can somebody say amen? We need this. I need this. Do you need this? I need this. Don't tell me we can't, that we can't do this. We need it. Listen to this quote. There's nothing magical about fasting. It's just one way of telling God that your priority at the moment is to be alone with Him. Sorting out whatever is necessary. You've canceled the meal, canceled the party, canceled the TV show, or whatever else you had planned in order to fulfill that priority. Fasting and feasting is about getting in touch with God and letting God get in touch with us. I'm going to give you an illustration that if you really let it get in you, I, I pray this picture will change the way you walk. Come on, fellas. I'm going to give you an illustration today. I want to end with this, I promise. See, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Come on, fellas. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. There you go. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. It's your spirit that's born again. Okay? It's your spirit that's, that's born again when we accept Christ as a Savior. It's often referred to as our inner man, our new creation. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The soul, this is the spirit, and this is the soul. Okay, this is the spirit and this is the soul. The body is but a puppet. You really need to really, really understand and get this picture. The soul is where our will, our emotions, our intellect reside. It's also referred to as the flesh. You ever heard some wacky Christians talking about the flesh? That's the soul. That's our, our will, our intellects. That's where it resides. That's the part of us that we need to constantly surrender to God. That's why the word says in Romans 12, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to constantly renew that mind because that soul is, is, is not, never going to want what the spirit wants 
And remember, the body is like a puppet. It's subject to whatever the spirit or the soul cause it to do. Did you ever think about that? Listen, listen, listen. The body does, it's just a puppet. The body, your body does whatever the spirit or the soul cause it to do. Does that make sense? Are you getting that picture? So the, the, the one that runs the body is the spirit or the soul. And so it's just a puppet. It's just going to do whatever these two tell it to do, whichever one is controlling it more. Please let that sink in. Galatians 5.16 says, So live by the Spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. How many of you ever felt this conflict? You ever felt this conflict? Paul says, what I do, I don't do. What I want to do, I don't do. That that I don't want to do, that I keep doing. You ever feel that? Why is that? Well, get the picture today. Hit the picture today. This is you, and this is your spirit and your soul struggling to control you, to guide you, to lead you. The soul is is only thinking about the things that satisfy our carnal flesh. So the soul is going to pull them this way and says, look at Shorty over there in the fourth row. No, no, no. Forget pastor. Look at the pants. And, and, and then, then the spirit is going to say, no, man, focus your mind, set your mind on God. That's not going to lead you nowhere. Don't be distracted or you'll be destroyed, man. Don't be distracted, brother. You need to, to come this way, man, because you need to focus on what God has for you. man. That's not what God has for you. And the soul says, yeah, but the pants look so good. Yeah, buddy, but you know you like that. You know you enjoy that. This is what you need. And the Spirit will say, that's not what you need. That's what's going to, that's a trap by the enemy, man, to make you fall, to set you apart, to knock you down. And the soul says, man, we should just leave this place and get high. We should just get out of here and get drunk. We should just, man, I just feel like, man, I'm confused. I just need to get lifted, man. I just need to, to do these things or, or whatever it is that we do to, to get our mind off of things. And, and so the, 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 the Spirit is just going to, the, the soul is just going to say, man, let's do what feels good. Let's do what feels good, man. I'm depressed right now. I need this. I need, and the body, you know, and the body's just a puppet. It's just going to do what, what it says. And the, and the spirit's going to say, brother, you stand firm. And after you've done all the stand, stand and stand firm, man. That's not who you are. The spirit will remind you that the body, the word says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes our soul will take that temple to places where... Anybody? You understand what I'm saying? So there's a conflict in us. There's a war in us. And, and you need to see that. See, when Paul... I, I, I think about this. When Paul was thrown into prison for preaching, he was beaten... I, I don't remember how many times he was beaten close to death and then thrown in prison for preaching. I'm sure that in prison, the soul said, yo, yo, Paul, stop. Stop. 
Why are you still speaking this Jesus thing? Why are you still telling people about Christ? People don't want to hear about Christ. Look at you. Christ ain't even defending you. You're locked up. You're in prison. You're beaten. He left you. You're all alone, man. Renounce that thing. Turn from that thing. What are you, crazy? Save yourself. But the Spirit told Paul, listen, you may not feel like it, but sing. The Spirit told Paul when he was in prison, worship. It's time to worship because God is that good. Because, because God is powerful. Because God can deliver us. Because God has a way for us. And what happened? What happened? Paul decided the body started to worship in prison. And what happens? The word says when we worship, the Spirit of God inhabits our praises. Well, how many know the Spirit of God can't be imprisoned? It can't be locked up. So when the body started to worship... The prison doors, were, the shackles were removed. The prison was shake and the doors opened up and everybody was released. Amen. See, when you're feeling tormented, when you're feeling bound, when you're feeling led one way or the other, the Spirit says pray. The Spirit says seek God. The Spirit says go after Him. The problem is, listen, here's the big, big key you got to get. The one you feed the most is the strongest. <laughs> he said, it's a good thing Job been eating. The one you feed the most is the strongest. It, it's funny, but it is so real. It is so such a powerful message, man. Listen, <coughs> some of us, our spirit is a little eight-year-old. And, and Joe's the, 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 actually I wanted Drew, but Drew was teaching uh, Sunday school, so I didn't want to pull him out of there. Drew, I think, is the biggest guy in church, right? <laughs> I wanted to, but anyway, you understand the point, right? Some of us got this little itty-bitty spirit. And listen, if you just recently gave the heart to the Lord, if you just recently came, the Word says you're a new creation, you're born again. But this spirit is, is, is small. It needs to be nourished. You need to make it grow. And for so long, we've been feeding this guy. We've been doing everything we want to do. You can do whatever you like. Yeah. Right? Our music, our movies, everything tell us, man, this is what we do. Life begins after church, man. This is where it's at. You got to get what you can get. You got to do what you got to do. And whatever feels good, do it twice. <laughs> and so we've been feeding this beast. And this beast is so strong. And this connection is so tight that the body can't resist it. We say, no, no, I don't want to go down those stairs. I don't want to go down those stairs. I don't want to go down those stairs. How would I end up on the bottom of the stairs? Because the soul is so strong, the flesh is so strong. But see, the goal of this fast and the goal of this reading the Word is to make the flesh look like the eight-year-old that it, it, that it should be, that it wants to act like, and to make the spirit man the strong one. So that when the soul says, man, you should leave this place, the spirit says, shut up and sit down. It, it has to be that way. You understand? So, so I, I want you to see the struggle and recognize. Because listen, so many people, we do what, we do what our, our flesh says. And so you, you think, man, I'm no good. 
I'm stupid. I'm useless. I ain't, I ain't even Christian. I ain't even saved. God ain't even talking to me. God even, and you beat yourselves down. But when, when it's a natural struggle, you just got to feed more on that side. It's a natural struggle. Paul says, Paul wrote, uh, you know, how much of the Bible? And, and Paul says, that that I want to do, I don't do. But that that I don't want to do, that I keep doing. He says, I realize there's a law at work in me. And when I want to do good, evil is right there with me, he says. So this is Paul. How many say, well, if, if it's all right for Paul, then, then I could deal with this struggle. Amen? Then, then I'm not a loser. Can you tell somebody you're not a loser? You're not a quitter. You're not not worthy. You're not unclean. You're not a, a, a dirty, sinning, no good for nothing. You should run out the church. No. God says you are more than conquerors. You are more than able. You're able. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a hand. Galatians 5a says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. This puppet is going to do whatever these two tell it to do. These two are waging war against each other. So basically the one you feed the most wins. Romans 6 says, do not let sin control the way you live your life. Don't give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you. No longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Anybody excited about 2010? So here's the moment of challenge. Here's the moment of truth. We can talk about it. We can have everybody else talk about it. We got our, our website. We got a blog. We got everything is ready. Some of you, if you're smart, you went shopping already. My house looks like a fruit market hit it. Like we stole a fruit and nut train. We ready. The question is, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who's going to stand and say, God, you're more important to me that, that, that God, I'm going to tithe this portion of my year to you. I'm going to dedicate this first fruits of the year to serving you by setting myself apart from the things that control me, by setting myself apart from the things that manipulate me. And I'm going to fast and I'm going to read. And if that's you, would you please stand up? Pastor Gary, come. Come on. 
Don't stand because you needed a stretch. If you're just stretching, sit back down. And don't stand because you don't want to be the only one sitting down with everybody else standing. If you're bold enough to not do it, then be bold enough to sit down. Be bold enough to say, I want no part of this. I ain't doing it. I want to give you three quick tips for those of us that are doing this. And then Gary's going to pray over you guys and give us the strength and to release the things that we need and the ability and the anointing to get through it, to grow, to walk mightily, to walk boldly. Amen. One, make a commitment ahead of time and stick to it. Make a commitment and stick to it. Don't, don't be in and out, well, I'm going to fast, but I'm not going to fast. Uh, maybe I'll fast. But, but. Make a decision today to do something and stick with it. Two, fasting is not forcing. You can't force God to do anything. Fasting is about submitting to God. Fasting works more on you than it does on God. Here's a big one. If you mess up, start again. How many of you know we fall? Right? Amen, we fall. We're not happy about it, but we fall. So just like anything else, if you fall, if you mess up, if halfway through the cup of coffee you realize, oh, I'm not supposed to have coffee, put it down. Start again. Amen? Start again. How many of you know God is not looking and got a lightning bolt halfway to you already? No. Start again. Say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I want to serve you. I want to make you a priority. So if you mess up, start again. (coughs) Last two things. Don't overdo it. There's plenty of things that you can eat on the Daniel Fast. And on the website, you have a whole list. You can eat brown rice instead of white rice. Brown rice pasta instead. But don't go home and eat, you know, 16 plates of pasta of brown rice just because it's allowed and, and, and gain weight on the Daniel Fast. Let yourself experience sacrifice. Amen? Let yourself experience the sacrifice. So don't overdo it. Lastly, journal. Write some things out. This is the time to ask God some questions that you've been avoiding. Ask God some of those tough questions that you've been scared to hear the answers to. I believe God's going to answer them and then some. And here's, here's what you do. Record them. Go to our website and record them on our blogs. Encourage one another. Ask for encouragement. It was so beautiful. We got to know so many of, of, of our, ourselves last year through this blog. We got to share and encourage and share a recipe or share a struggle, share a testimony. How many know a testimony encourages us to keep going? Amen? So do that. Listen, your flesh will reason and excuse you out of doing any of this. Your flesh and every enemy of your spirit will try to stop you, discourage you, depress you, dissuade you, and destroy you. Don't give in. Don't give up. Stand firm. Everybody standing. You still ready to do this? It starts today after lunch. So go have a wonderful lunch. And get to your Bible reading today. Start it today. The link is on our site. Now listen, those of you that we, we chose a Bible reading plan. It's so easy. You can even listen to it if you don't want to read it. That's for all the bagos. 
You can click and listen to it if you don't want to read it. So it's on our website. Go to it. Go through it. Those of you that have no internet connections at all, we printed the list, the Bible reading plan. It'll be at the Welcome Center. Grab one of those. It'll tell you. Day one, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Day two, read. And so you have it, okay? There's no excuse. Amen? We still in it? We getting prepared in 2010? Go ahead, Gary. Before I pray, I just want to let you know that right after church, we have prophetic ministry back there. So if you want to start the year by getting a word from God, see, because when you receive a prophetic word from God, it unlocks some things in you that begin to set you on your path. So we're going to pray right now because what you commit to in the spiritual is going to begin to manifest itself in the natural. So as you begin to get serious about God, beginning to read the Word, beginning to pray, I'm believing for jobs and better jobs and promotions and healed marriages and healed emotions, that depression is going to disappear, that this is going to be a year for you like none other. But it starts in the spiritual. See, that's the key to get in that word. And the Bible says that there's power in that word. And as you begin to read it, there's healing for your emotions. I believe that sicknesses are going to be healed with the reading of the word. I don't care how hard it is. You get down and you break through. You press through for those 15 minutes. And you're going to begin to see things change. You're going to see your boss begin to treat you differently. I'm believing for businesses to be released. I'm believing this year not only for jobs, but for careers. Some of you are going back to school this year. And it's all going to start as you begin to take this time to seek the Lord. So how many of you saying, I'm, I'm living in victory this year? How many of you saying that the desires of my flesh are not going to rule this year? But I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to walk in righteousness. There's going to be peace in my home. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray, Lord God, for this company of believers, Lord God. I pray for this army right now, Lord God. And I just decree over you that as you read the word, that as you fast, as you pray, as you worship, I decree change. I decree healing. I say every disease is healed. The power of hell is broken. Offer your life, offer your job, offer your finances, offer your marriage. And I release iron in your bones that you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up, but that you're going to keep walking. You're going to keep pressing through when it's hard, when it's difficult, when you don't feel like it anymore. When the enemy is at your doorstep, I decree that as a mighty army, that you're going to lift up that sword of the Spirit. And you're going to destroy every work of the enemy that comes against you. 
So I, I just release the peace of God. I release strength. Be strengthened in this year. I decree for you in this year that there's no more lack. Let's leave that behind. Let's leave that poverty spirit, that spirit of lack, that spirit of depression. Let's put it back in 2009. This is a year of victory. I proclaim it over you. I proclaim a change over you, that you are not the person that you used to be. You are more than a conqueror. Just as we heard from Gretchen today, there's greatness in you, and I unlock it right now. You're going to do things in this year like you've never done before. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We bless you today. Let's just worship him. Let's thank him for new things, new beginnings. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord God. God, we're not going to be cold like the weather, Lord God, but we're on fire for you. We're going to burn for you, Lord, in this year. And we thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Let's, let's just worship him. Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, daddy. Oh, how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. us.